Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. All right, welcome on into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Michelle, you've got a really cool shirt on. Yeah. Uh, you spent the better part of this past week out in the basin, as my in-laws like to call mm-hmm. it, uh, out doing some really cool things. We'll dig into that here in a little bit. I think it was a really cool. I saw some of the snippets you were putting up on KSL Sports, social media, et cetera. Yeah. We'll get your takeaway on that. Uh, it's Big 12 Day for BYU. They're officially official. Woo! I know. They took, Let's go! It only took, the better part, <laughs> only took the better part of 22 months to actually become official after they accepted that invite. But uh, nonetheless, they are members of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we've got NBA free agency rolling. Uh, ESPN and uh, TNT Sports are reporting now that Damian Lillard has officially requested a trade. we got a lot to cover this morning on the show. Sounds like it. Yeah. All right. So let's dive right in. Let's. Uh, so we'll get into some of that. But real quick before we get going, Michelle, was the highlight of your week going out to Vernal? Like, what was the highlight of your week? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. There. There's nothing that can top that. Or I guess we could. We could go into starting tomorrow. I am off for a week, so sure. I'm also looking forward to that. But. But no, that trip was incredible, and uh, I can't wait to over. It's going to be a long period of time that I eventually share everything that it is between (laughs) camp-related stuff and just the non-camp-related stuff that came up. There were a lot of stories shared, um, just an incredible group of people from an incredible time Mm -hmm. in Utah sports history, uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. So looking hey, forward to it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot to talk about on that front. Uh, highlight of my week, man. There's a few of them. Uh, so had an opportunity last night to hang out with my young, my, young, my youngest brother. Okay. So I'm the oldest of seven kids. Uh, so my youngest brother's down here from school. He's up. He goes to BYU Idaho up in Rexburg, and he came down. Uh, it was great to spend time with him, mm-hmm. but I got eaten alive by mosquitoes. Oh. We, so we went down to Timonogos Golf Club. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Down in Provo. Mm-hmm. And let's put it this way. I've played enough golf this year that mosquitoes are a problem everywhere. Right. But when you can see the swarms that you're walking through, and they're trying. I'll, I'll give them that. They, they're they trying to keep them down. But yeah. I got eaten alive last night. So it was great Oof. to spend time with him. The mosquito side of it, 
That but, sucks. Yeah, but, but but you're paying for it this morning. Oh, trust me. <laughs> Look at my arms close enough. I'm sure there'd be plenty know, of red welds. Something bit me up huh. up in in the basin. I'm not. Maybe it was one of the Skinwalker aliens. <laughs> I don't know. We need, to, we need to get your breakdown of Skinwalker, Reg. We'll do that. Uh, we got Jason behind the glass producing for us this morning. Jason, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Austin, Boston Red Sox, eh? Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Mm-hmm. I like it. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. Okay. So what was the highlight of your week, sir? Okay. So I just, I wanted to make a note. I'm actually the second oldest of seven kids. So okay. there you go. So, there you, you go. Uh, but the highlight of my week, I, I realized that there are probably about seven hockey fans in all of Utah, and I'm one of those hockey fans. And of course, the NHL draft was this week, yep. and I'm a huge Washington Capitals fan. And I was actually very excited that Matt Vey Mishkov did not fall to the Capitals at eight, because uh, I don't think he's ever going to come and play in the United You're States. The, he's the Russian. That's yeah, he's the Russian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just don't think he's ever going to make it. So I was very excited for the Caps to take Ryan Leonard at number eight. I was I was very happy about that. So, yeah, big, big hockey week for me. We went from one producer who's a big hockey fan to another one. I love this. Eric, our old producer, huge hockey fan. Nice. We're nice. you two in touch. He's an Avs fan, though. Uh, I like the Avs, all okay. right, and the and the Golden Knights. I'm okay See, with that. I'm but. a I'm a cracking guy. I, I latched oh. on with Seattle when they when they launched. There so. you go. Sure. <laughs> Fun times. All right. So uh, got a lot to cover on today's show. Let's start off though. I, we're going to kind of split this first segment into two. I want to talk okay. about athletes for life. What you were doing this week, as well as BYU Big Twelve Media, okay. Big Twelve Day. We'll talk about both of those day. things. So let's dive right in. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. All right, so first off, Michelle, uh, explain what you were doing out in the basin. We're going to transition to BYU here in a minute. I think they both can be interrelated in a way, but Mm -hmm. you spent the, what, Tuesday to yesterday or something? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, okay. Mm -hmm. So you were out there for Athletes for Life, the football camp. We had Hank Mondock on this show two two or three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. uh, To talk about what they were doing. Obviously, this started out at Pine Ridge Reservation out there in Nebraska. It was South Dakota. South Dakota, It it straddles the border, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, So he was out there. They started it there, but he wanted to bring it here to Utah, being a former Utah alumnus, and he took it out to the Uinta Ore Reservation, which you spent time at. So I guess, how did it go? It it was incredible. I mean, talk about... It's just a great opportunity to understand our community mm-hmm. a little bit better. And, and I think especially a forgotten part of our community because we've, we've kind of tucked them, tucked them away. Sure. Uh, and, and that was kind of the big message. I spent a lot of time talking with some of the people that live out on the res. Mm-hmm. Um, a dad that had two sons that were participating in the camp okay. and, uh, and a couple of leaders of the Ute tribe, uh, one of them that serves on, on a council at the University of Utah that helps with the Ute, uh, Ute University sure, okay. yeah. relationship mm-hmm. uh, and discusses, you know, things that that need to happen and, and things that need to be done in order to kind of continue to strengthen that relationship. Uh, and the biggest message, you know, that came out from that is they just want opportunity. Like, Unlike Pine Ridge, they're not desolate. Sure, uh, they do have industry. They do have businesses. Uh, the The oil industry is very big there, and a lot of them mm-hmm. are very much involved in that. But it's 
things like opportunities to go to the University of Utah and get an engineering degree that they can then take back and and, and make what they do there already sure. better. Or, um, you know, so I was told more opportunities at the law school um, because of some of the things that come up with the land um, and contracts and, and some of that kind of stuff, having Le- people legal dynamics, yeah, I get it, people yeah. on hand that yeah. that understand that not only from a legal aspect but from the needs of the area and the people mm-hmm. is a big deal. Uh, and then, of course, you know, just just what opportunities are out there. Hey, like if you want to apply yourself and be really good at a sport, you can get a scholarship at Utah, at BYU, at Stanford at, you know, wherever it is you want to go if you really apply yourself and work hard at it. And so I think, you know, it, it again, the biggest message was they just want more opportunities and I think they want to be seen. And this was a good first step having these former University of Utah athletes, high level University of Utah athletes come and give their time and kind of teach and instill some confidence in these kids. And I, I think that was kind of the big, the other big thing is a lot of these res kids don't necessarily have a lot of confidence. Sure. Um, they're a little quiet. They're a little shy. They kind of keep to themselves a little bit. And so one of the things that Football for, for Life, I thought, did really, really well was involve Union, Union High School, the Union High School football team, okay. which is primarily white kids. Um, it's based in Roosevelt. And uh, just getting them to kind of get to know these kids and bring them in and take them in under their wing. And the head coach up at Union afterwards was starting to talk about, you know, bringing some of these kids on as ball boys through the season and having sideline access just so that they feel more welcome and and maybe want to pursue playing on the team when they're old enough to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was interesting. There were two kids particularly that – all of us were kind of watching and they were, they were very shy. Um, not the best athletes, okay. if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, and I think there were moments where they kind of wanted to give up and the, the coaches, the, the former Utah athletes that came up, wouldn't let them, um, just encourage them to keep en- going, encourage yeah. them to keep going. And the next, the second day that they showed up, they were night and day different. They were a little more talkative. They were a little more outgoing. I think they, they pushed themselves a little bit harder. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it's, you were already starting to see things click and, and, and some of these dynamics that, um, that I think Hank and the rest of the crew wanted to have happen, starting to kind of sink in and take place. And so hopefully this is just something that kind of continues and grows. Uh, I know that the goal is to get more like current athletes and players up there. Um, I and I think again, it's kind of important from both sides, right? Like sure. yeah. there, there's relevance in. Oh, I got to meet this person, and now I'm watching them on TV or going down, you know, for a weekend to check out one of one of their games or their meets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's that connection there. Uh, but also, I think you know it's really important for for these athletes to understand who it is they're representing, and I think sometimes that gets lost and forgotten a little bit. Who who are the Utah Utes? Um, and they are a group of people uh, 
that that are so generous in sharing, trying to share their culture because it's a way to keep them alive and keep their presence known. Uh, and so I just I think there's a lot of things that we can do that will enrich in both sides uh, and just make make the overall relationship better and make it click and really make it make sense for people. Well, I, it's a fun part about it. So Hank Mondaka played in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We had the Barton brothers. We knew that Jackson was going. All of a sudden, I'm seeing you post like Cody's out there. Yeah, yeah. Cody Cody was able to get away for a day and come up. Okay. Uh, and the interesting thing is I uh, learned just before we he- headed up that way, uh, the Barton's actually have a ranch in Duchesne. I knew so, they. Ha- I knew they had a ranch because we've had Cody on my. Uh, so I do DJ and PK here right, in Arizona. Right, right. We've had Cody on, and he's okay. talked about being at the family ranch. Yeah. I had no idea where it was at, so it's, it's in Duchesne. Yeah. Then. So okay. there. So I mean, they have some familiarity yeah. with the area. Okay. Uh, so that was really cool. They would not go to Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> they didn't want anything to I do with that. I wouldn't go either. So Barton <laughs> Brothers, I, I got your back on that. I know Michelle was over there. I saw that your video. You're like. I heard aliens and I came running. I, yeah, I, I was... yeah, yeah. It was so funny. I was standing clear up at the top of the bleachers, and I could hear like Jackson like talking about the Skinwalkers and like trying to get get the kids to talk about it. I was like, yeah. "Whoop! We're gonna run down the bleachers and get this." I'm <laughs> I'm in on this. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, okay. Here's here's the real question. Okay. Did you go to Skinwalker Ranch? So, or did you see anything crazy? Let's just. I did not see or feel anything crazy. Okay. Um, I think we were just far enough away and it was really interesting. Like the people up there really don't like talking. Like the place really does freak them out. Okay. Um, I, I still, I'm super curious. I, I would love to delve in and, and go explore it more. Things like that just fascinate me. Uh, but that Brandon Fugel, if, if you're listening, Michelle Bodkin at KSL Sports really wants to go check your ranch I out. I found out I have a loose connection to Brandon Fugel. Maybe it'll really? work that for you. So we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I necessarily want to go wander around at night. <laughs> sure. I'm maybe not quite that brave, but uh-huh. like I would love to walk around, just kind of check out the buildings, check out the just, – just kind of get a feel for what's going on. But no, as far as I know, I saw no orbs like floating around in the sky or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, no aliens. No aliens. Nobody got abducted. Um, I no weird medical incidences on my end. So <laughs> we came back in one piece. All right. Well, hey, it sounds like it was a really fun event. Uh, I believe that. Uh, so KSL uh, KSL Sports Live sent a camera out. Mac mm-hmm. Valeda was up up there. So there's gonna be some stuff on tonight's KSL Sports Live as well as tomorrow's. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're running some stuff about the camp over the weekend so make sure to check that out and and learn how learn what exactly took place and how you can help out and maybe get involved for the next year because the goal is continuing to come back mm-hmm. until some of these younger res kids are up in in high school and, cool. and hopefully playing sport whatever sport is kind of their thing in high school so sweet well hey uh Looked like it was a really good event, like all the way around. It was uh, the limited snippets I saw of it, but it sounds like a lot of fun was had. That's yeah. the nice part. So, yeah. uh, hopefully, that'll continue on into the future. I'm assuming it will. I'm sure Hank said that he plans to bring it back. He's, mm-hmm. he's talked about it. He wants this to be a kind of a long term deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Long term deal. Like I said, he wants to follow these kids until they're like high school, college age. So, 
Uh, and hopefully by then, it's just a regular thing. Hopefully there's a little more university backing, like sure. current university oh, yeah, yeah. backing. Uh, hopefully, you know, some interesting characters from the past also, you know, mm-hmm. kind of continue to get in and get involved and, and want to volunteer their time. Uh, but it just, it was really, really cool. Well, that's good to hear. All right. So uh, related to that in the college scene. So there was that happening this week. Uh, then also BYU officially last night at midnight becomes a member of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, the governor of the state of Utah, Governor Cox, put out an official declaration yesterday declaring July 1st, 2023 as, as BYU Big 12 Day. Uh, mm-hmm. So pretty momentous occasion. Uh, BYU has been striving for this for the better part of 12 seasons, if not decades at this point. Obviously, when Utah made the leap to the Pac-12, BYU went independent with the whole goal of getting to where they are today, being a member of the Big 12, being a member of the Power 5. So, Michelle, how did you celebrate BYU Big 12 Day, at least starting out? Uh, I was awake, which I was not (laughs) trying to do. Sure. And I was watching Suits. I've been watching Suits on Netflix. Great series, by the way. Um, Yeah. So that that's what I was doing when Mitch Harper sent something at midnight, and I was like, "Why are we posting stuff at midnight, <laughs> Mitch Harper?" Yeah, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh yeah, it's midnight. Yep. <laughs> Welcome. We we are officially not only Pac-12 country, but Big 12 country." Yeah. So that's the thing about this is it. <laughs> yeah, we now have both Power Five conferences right here, literally in our backyard. And uh, as a kid who grew up in the state, you do the same thing as me, Michelle. The thought of having the likes of USC, Oklahoma, Texas, UCLA, like these vaunted and historical programs, I thought that they were coming here to play games that quote-unquote mattered. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me. Now, let me also acknowledge that we only have Texas and Oklahoma for one year. They're going to be jumping to the SEC next year. Okay. But it, it's still a pretty crazy thing to think that for two programs that were in the WAC together, were in the Mountain West Conference together, for them both now to be Power 5 programs and have these big boy programs coming to their home fields, that's a pretty cool deal we've got in our backyard now. It is a cool deal. It, it is unfortunate that it's kind of going to be a short-lived thing. It's really only one season that this overlaps, sure, yeah. really, for both sides. Yeah, because uh, yeah, USC and UCLA are jumping to the Big Ten next are year, Are also too. gone. Yeah. Weenies. I, um, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, enjoy that. Uh, but I, I, it is, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I love, I love this for our state. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I really, really do. I'm, I'm, I've, we've talked a lot about it. I'm excited to kind of be able to sit back and watch this process kind of more from afar rather than being in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I think you miss some things when you're right in the middle of it. So it's going to be interesting to watch this again, but from a different perspective. Uh, and, and obviously we've also talked about BYU has some advantages that weren't there. They also have their own little quirks that they're going to have to work through and figure out yeah. uh, as this goes along. But I think, you know, there's a great opportunity here to have two really good program, like really good power five programs here in the state um yeah it's it's a matter of giving it some time to breathe and grow and and have you know that kind of opportunity but you know i for for byu fans out there for you know guys like hans Mm -hmm. that that put in a lot of blood sweat and tears uh, a lot yes literally to, to try and you know 
get the program somewhere. Like mm-hmm. I, I've talked to the Utah counterparts about, you know, what that feels like. I can only imagine, you know, it feels pretty much the same for, for someone like him. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and guys like Kalani and A-Rod that also, you know, former BYU players and, and they've ended up going to Utah to, to learn some things and, and dip their toe in the waters and, to be able to go back to your alma mater and maybe hopefully, you know, lead them to some similar type success, I I, I have to imagine they're just incredibly pumped. Well, yeah, and I, I, see, I agree with you on that. The, the thing is, this has been decades in the making. Mm-hmm. I can remember as a kid growing up in the 90s hearing rumors of BYU. They could join the new – when the Big 12 was forming, there was talk about BYU potentially jumping into that conference then. Mm-hmm. There's a famous story about Ann Richards, who was the t- uh, governor of Texas at the time, and she's a Baylor alumnus. And she essentially told, like, the other schools that were forming this Big 12, if you don't put Baylor in this conference, I will use, the, like, the legislative power of Texas to, like, strike all y'all down. And so that, all right, the Bears are in, whatever. And B, so BYU got aced out, if you, if you believe all that. And I've had, I've had that story told to me by enough people who were on BYU's side during mm-hmm. that period that I think there's some credence to all of that. The other thing is there was also talk about BYU in the Pac-12. And that's been going on, like I said, since the 90s. So in many ways... This is decades in the making. Yeah. I know Utah had those aspirations as well. And Utah got to live that dream 12 years ago. Yeah. They made the transition. And I, I can vividly remember that first game. Utah went to USC. Mm-hmm. I was at that game. Did you go down to that yeah, game? Okay. I and was at that game. So I was watching. I was just like, this is crazy to think that Utah is a member of the Pac-12. It was in the Pac-10 growing up. But they're the Pac-12. And they're going into the Coliseum in a game that actually matters in the Pac-12 standings. Right. It's fascinating to me. Because, like I said, as a kid growing up in the state, we had we had Mountain West battles we had the whack and mm-hmm. those were fun but this was this different. is it's yeah. a different level this is, it is a different level and this is what BYU gets to experience starting this year so you obviously been covering Utah for a very long time mm-hmm. as you mentioned you were that very first uh, Pac-12 game. I was I was there as a fan sure. but yeah well see and I'm gonna make the trip I'm going to Kansas I'm gonna go watch BYU's first Big 12 game in Lawrence Kansas nice looking forward to that it's gonna be it's just it's one of those things you only it only happens once yeah so I'm going out to that and I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna be at Big 12 media days here in where are we at? We're July 1, so 11 days. I'll be, I'll be in Arlington, Texas uh, for Big 12 Media Days. And looking forward to all of this. But you covering Utah and have, having done this, watching Utah make the transition for the past 12 years, what in your mind is going to be the biggest challenge or challenges for BYU as they make this transition? It, this is, this is going to sound so lame and like <laughs> I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but it, 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 I think that was the one thing all of us learned watching Utah uh-huh. do this is recruiting. Yeah. It's recruit it's recruiting in depth. Uh, you know, I I think there were a lot of people on both sides of it that are like, well, Utah is being the snot out of, you know, these types of teams for years and years and years. Well, we all learned together there is a difference between, you know, doing that on occasion and then having kind of easier teams in between Mm -hmm. that you can kind of rest recoup um you know it's different when you're the big bad bully in your conference versus you know not being the big bad bully necessarily in your conference uh and especially I think the way that Utah likes to likes to play and the way that I think BYU is going to like to play uh which is a little more smash mouth it is a little more tough guy we're gonna size you up and and make you feel it the next day uh that 
it's great. And yeah, you, you make other teams pay, but you kind of make yourself pay a little bit too, especially if you don't have the horses to do it at that level. Uh, So that to me is going to be the biggest thing is, is recruiting, obviously figuring out some of the little quirks and Utah had to do that to a certain degree. People are a little bit weird about the Mormon LDS thing. Sure. Um, it's a little bit of a different animal for BYU, but there's always a way to figure that out. There's always like, but, but it might just take some time, uh, yeah. some time on, you know, what is the pitch? How, how do we sell this? How do we make people comfortable with us? Blah, 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 blah. It took Utah a minute. Mm-hmm. And again, it was an issue, but a lesser issue for them. It's a little bit of a bigger issue just because that is a big part of who and what BYU is. Uh, but they'll figure it out. They'll they'll figure out what works for them, what works for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, they'll nail that down. But it's yeah, uh, recruiting is going to be so huge in this. Okay, so, so huge. I threw this out on Twitter. So I said this: It's Big Twelve Day for BYU. Question I have: We will tackle on today's Saturday show on the KSL Sports Zone is: What are the biggest challenges that BYU football, BYU basketball, et cetera, will, fa- et cetera, will face as they make the transition to the Power Five ranks? Michelle, we've got six responses right now. I encourage everybody out there. I'd love uh, for you guys to weigh in on this. Of the six responses, four of them relate to either depth or recruiting. Mm-hmm. And those go to, to go hand in hand, obviously, building up the depth via recruiting. Run and Reb D. Humes, recruiting, recruiting, and dot, 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 recruiting. recruiting. Yep. Number two, uh, let's see, uh, B. Dots, a BB Gun 42, depth. I think the team down south has talented players and coaches that compete, but the depth will run through a full schedule is not there yet. They are smart, and they will talk with you to get as much advantage as possible to how to add depth in the next few years. The nice part is they probably had those conversations already. Oh, yeah. And the three guys leading the charge at BYU – Kalani, A-Rod, J. Hill, were all, all on the staff at Utah. at Utah when they made mm-hmm. the transition. They saw it firsthand. Yep. They know what they're up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Barris, J, at J underscore on 20, adjusting to the conference grind. Teams will get to know us better and know what we do, so it'll be important to, to know them as well. Yeah, I, I think that is a valid, that's, that's definitely somewhere on the hierarchy there's, of the list. There's an unknown there. Willie, little bro Utes. That's kind of a funny Twitter head. I like that. Depth. Props to you social media department for the videos this morning. Those were amazing, though. So, huh, I'm going to have to go back and they, try and find some Well, of and the thing about that is it's not even just BYU. The Big 12 did a bunch of different things. Uh, so there's a lot of fun stuff. But of those six responses, four of them either relate to depth, knowledge of the conference, or recruiting. Now we have a couple other ones. Caden Howell at Howell underscore Caden said travel. Some long trips for road games. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to West Virginia in early November. That's clear across the country. At some point, they're going to go to UCF. They're going to go to Cincinnati. They're they're going to Texas. A little a little spread out in this conference. Yeah, it's pretty. There, there's some far flung places you're going to be traveling to. Two time zones, and that's traditionally been a big bugaboo for a lot of teams is to make that much travel. So there is a lot of work going on for BYU to compete. But to your point, Michelle, it's building up. Mm-hmm. Building up that depth, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And the other thing, BYU, they have one thing that Utah did not have. Transfer portal. Bingo. They brought in 20 guys this year. And they're starting quarterback. They're starting running back. I'd venture to say at least two of their starting offensive linemen, two starting defensive linemen, one linebacker, and and probably at least two defensive backs. Uh, I'm trying to think about And maybe one wide receiver. All transfers who are likely to start for BYU this year. Exactly. No, I that... That isn't a a good way to try and address, I think, some early issues. Yeah. Uh, I think 
at some, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I think at some point, the hope and the idea is that BYU will stabilize to where they can just get the guys in that they kind of want mm-hmm. and eventually use the transfer portal to fill in holes, kind of like what Utah's doing now. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know how sustainable constantly bringing in people through the transfer portal uh, is going to be. But it's a great way, I think, to get started and mm-hmm. kind of get a head jump. And then once you stabilize, once once you kind of have your identity set in place and you can get the guys through actual recruiting, yeah. then you turn to the transfer portal to start plugging in holes. And that's when I think teams start to get a little bit dangerous. Well, and, and I agree with you on that. Your, your base always needs to be the high school. The guys who are going to be in there for four or five years, and if they're elite talents, maybe three. But they're there is the backbone of your – I've had enough conversations with people down at Provo. They understand that. Mm-hmm. They, they they see this as a short-term yep. get in, compete, make our name in this conference, and then I think they'll kind of regress back to the mean, quote-unquote, where, yes, they will – the vast majority of the recruiting class is going to come via the high school ranks, but they will always, always plug holes. Utah's doing the same thing. Yeah. When Alabama, okay, if Nick Saban's bringing in transfer portal folks, there's no reason that you shouldn't be. No. Like, <laughs> No, just it, it's about it's being smart about who yeah. you bring in. They got to fit. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a cultural thing, and we all know this about BYU. It's as unique a university as there is in all of college football. You got to find the right fit. Yep, the right balance, all that type of stuff. So uh, we'll take a break here, uh, but we'll continue to break this down. Uh, coming up on the show, though, I had a chance to catch up with both uh, Kalani Satake as well as Cody Epps. Had some great conversations with them about the Big Twelve. Uh, we were at a media golf event. Uh, Cody Epps apparently has just become like this golf addict. You'll oh. hear him talk about that. So uh, some fun things ahead. Uh, coming up next, so I do want to transition a little bit. NBA free agency is underway. A guy of local interest has requested a trade. Dame. I don't think I need to bury the lead on that. Dollar Dame. We'll, we'll talk about him next. We'll also talk about what's going on with the Utah Jazz in free agency. we got all that to come up coming up right here on the Saturday show. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. story another time but that was, that was that's, jake jake learned something about me that actually, i probably didn't want to know but here's the thing it makes complete sense at the same time so nonetheless <laughs> that's awesome and i can totally believe the reaction you got to that also that's 
<laughs> all right. Anyways, welcome back, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, it, w- this is the Saturday show. That's Michelle. I'm Jake. Man, that was talk about dropping a bomb right before we go on there. That was awesome. Great stuff. But anyways, uh, so let's talk a little bit about NBA free agency, Michelle. Let's do it. Opened up at 4 p.m. yesterday. Uh, it used to be it started at midnight. I think the NBA realized, you know what? People actually think this is cool. Like, we should actually make this where it's not the middle of the night. Well, I don't know. People were pretty excited about Big 12 Day sure. happening at midnight. Yeah. So. Well, but yeah, and they still had plenty of attention. But I think the NBA said, you know what? We might as well just make it middle of the day where it can it can hit the evening news, that type of stuff. I'm going to say more like a Friday news dump. Actually, that's really funny. I didn't even think about that because yeah. all of a sudden, um, like Ben mm-hmm. and and uh, Kyle, Kyle that or, does yeah, Kyle some Iron. work for us yeah. uh, are hitting me up about... Kyle Kuzma, Jakob Pertl. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it's toddy time. <laughs> like, why are people bugging me about this? And then yeah. I was like, that it's a Friday news dump. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it opened at 4 p.m. Uh, so it was 6 p.m. Eastern. Is what, so it opens at 4 p.m. Here, here in Utah. And uh, news came flying out of the gate, yeah. and it, as it always does. And I, I just my favorite thing is you're not supposed to, quote, unquote, negotiate these deals beforehand. But stunningly, 15 minutes after that window opens, it's like Kyle Kuzma has got a four-year, $102 million deal from the Washington Wizards. Well, that was some quick negotiating. No, he was already done, but nonetheless. I, yeah, that that's a dumb thought. Like, when you're playing with that kind of money, yeah, you better be negotiating before it's time to – make a decision. Yeah, and see and that's the thing about this is there's there's a ton of opportunity here for these for these franchises to go out and obviously hopefully bolster themselves, but we've had an interesting dynamic pop up cuz Michelle the CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement went into effect and uh apparently starting next off season there is a uh there's a situation where they call in it, there, there's these they're, in the salary cap. They have the luxury tax, mm-hmm. where if you can go beyond, but you pay uh, punitive money to to allow yourself to go over that cap. They have these what they're calling tax aprons now, and the first apron is it's just, it's meant to limit the spending. Like for example, Golden State uh, to fuel a lot of what they've done in the last I'd say decade or so. They've always been over the cap, and they just re-signed Draymond Green to another $100 million contract, and they're going to remain kind of one of those top threshold tax teams. But they're having what they call the the, the second apron, mm-hmm. It's and it's got some really punitive things happening because if you go to the second tax apron, and this is all in the weeds type stuff, but the, the conversation is that because of what the punitive damages that could inflict, you could have your draft pick move from wherever it is in the first round to the 30th pick. Like, no matter if you had the first pick, if you were to hit this and violate it enough, you move to the 30th pick. There's, there's some very punitive things coming into effect with the CBA. It's actually caused a lot of teams to decide, okay, A, we might be trading some guys. B, we actually may refrain from signing certain people because of the fear of reaching that threshold. Mm-hmm. But then, as David Locke pointed out yesterday at DJ and PK, well, the CBA, yes, they have this punitive deal on the top end, but you also have to spend 90% of the salary cap. Like, it's, there's a floor. You have to spend mm-hmm. 90% of the cap. So there are guys going to get money from some of these franchises. I think Utah is probably one of those teams going to be on the lower end because Utah right now, we're looking at about $14 million remaining in, in the salary cap. After they made the deal for John Collins, which is actually not official yet, it can't be official till July sixth. NBA rules baffle me, but <laughs> nonetheless, it is what it is. So there's an interesting dynamic here at play that you're seeing some players get signed for some for money that you're like, okay, that's interesting, 
but also some players being traded. Now, we have one of the biggest trades that could happen on the table now. Because as of this morning, multiple reports, The Athletic, Woj from ESPN, Chris B. Haynes from NBA and TNT, Damian Lillard wants out in Portland. Right. Now, Portland yesterday paid Jeremy Grant, uh, was it four years, $150 million for I think is a decent player. But I'm like, that's not the player that Dame wants around him to help him win. Because that's what Mm -hmm. Dame's whole goal, and you know this, in Portland has been, you know what? I want to win here. Yeah. Portland screwed it up so many times around him. Right. He's in his early 30s. I think he's 32 or 33 now. I was going to say, I was shocked. He, he's close-ish to my age. Yeah. So yeah. He, and he's, he's getting up there. He wants, to make, he wants to make a move, and he wants to go win. Well, officially, word coming out that he wants to be traded. The interesting part will be, because it sounds like the reports say that he wants to go to the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn, uh, Miami's his preferred destination. He wants to team up with Jimmy Butler and uh, Bam Adebayo, apparently. Bam's apparently, like, his boy. Like, they're, uh. they're, like, really, really close. The question will be, are those franchises, Michelle, willing to put themselves in salary cap hell, for lack of a better term, with that <laughs> second apron, potentially, to bring in Dame? I just, Dame, come home. Well, and that's the thing. Come I, home, Dame. What can Utah do? Can 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 the Jazz maneuver enough? Come come here. <laughs> You're so loved here. Well, and he was here. What was it? Two not weeks? too long ago. Yeah, he not did even, like some fan signing thing. It, it's, I the, saw. it's the alumni event. He yeah, hosted yeah, yeah, every year yeah, yeah. up at up at the Purple Palace up there in Ogden, and he talked during that about how much Utah means to him. He actually talked about potentially becoming the head coach of Weber State basketball at some point after he's done that playing. That would be dope. That'd be yeah. I'm with you. That'd be fantastic. That would be awesome. But. He 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 appreciates Utah, and my question is: Okay, does he fit with the timeline for the Jazz? He's a little older, but he would immediately make the Jazz, in my opinion, better top half of the Western Conference. I don't. I don't. Let's consider this, guys. Come on. Well, I'm, okay, I've got no doubt that the Jazz are considering it. He has the ties to the state. The yeah. Jazz have the assets, maybe the best asset. Fans would lose their minds. Oh. <laughs> They'd lose their minds. I've been watching Twitter, and trust me, th- th- this morning, Dane's available. Danny, make the call. <laughs> I I don't know. I because and I think we also. Gosh, I feel like we're having a lot of deja vu conversations today. Uh, sure, but like I I don't know that anybody's really moved the needle for this fan base. Since like John Stockton, Carl, Mul- like we mm-hmm. we haven't had someone like that. Like Gobert and Mitchell, like I mean, they were nice, yeah, and people liked them, and they had their moment, but it just wasn't the same. But you bring in someone like Dame, woo! Like I think the buy-in, especially if like I, just based off of what the team was like last sure. year with them yeah. overperforming. Him bringing his talent in and instantly just making them that much better, I think the buy-in from the fan base and the community would just be through the roof. Now, uh, I, I'm with you on that because he he's a guy that has ingratiated himself to the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he spoke very highly of his time at Weber State. He stuck with Weber State, by the way. I don't know how people know this. His background, when he was coming out, he was he's from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Randy Ray latched onto him early, and he—, he Randy Ray was his guy. He, mm-hmm. That's the reason why he went to Weber State, because Randy Ray believed in him from the get-go. He had Power 5 programs coming after him left and right, and he told them all, no, I'm, I'm going to Weber. 
and he had a fantastic run. Obviously, had some injuries and whatnot. We were never actually able to see the Jimmer versus Dame uh, battle that some of us hoped we could have seen. That, mm-hmm. that they were contemporaries. Jimmer down there at BYU. That's crazy. It is crazy. To consider <laughs> it's that. So crazy to think about. <laughs> but he would be fantastic. Come back here. The, the only the only issue I could foresee are the Jazz willing to push into the salary if they and that this is completely hypothetical because yeah. no reports out there say that he's interested in coming to Utah. Now Randy Ray has come on my radio show on DJ and PK and said that he would really he thinks Dame would really consider Utah. He he has said that and trust me, Randy knows Dame better than anybody. Else. He's got him on speed dial. Yeah, like they still talk often. Mm-hmm. The issue is he is owed, so for the 2023-2024 season, he is owed north of, it's $45.6 million. He has a player option, which he is, it's a, yeah, it's a player option for the following year for $48.78 million. So you're looking at nearly $100 million you'd owe to him in the next two years. He's going to be 35 at that point. I look at this and I wonder if the Jazz were to be able to maneuver themselves, to get themselves into the race to bring him in, does he fit with the timeline the Jazz maybe have set for themselves? Mm -hmm. I would say I don't care what the timeline is. Bring him home. To your point, bring him home, get him in here, because he immediately, with the overachieving nature of last year's roster, Lowry Markinen has really emerged, Walker Kessler has become already, I think, a starting caliber top 10 center in the NBA there's hope that John Collins can get some of his form back after being traded here in a salary dump move by the Atlanta Hawks. You have a front line of those three in particular, and then who knows what Taylor Hendricks turns into, uh, Keontae George, Bryce Sense, about the draft picks they brought in. If I'm Dame, I'd be kind of looking at the Utah lineup saying, you know what, they need a point guard. I'd have plenty of shots because that's the thing, the guard line right now for the Utah Jazz, pretty thin. Mm-hmm. The front line looks very, very good. You have a three in Lowry Marketing who's an all-star last year. You played in the all-star game with him. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you consider that? But the reports out say he wants to go to Miami. I'm sitting there. I'm just like, hey, Danny H., um, make a phone call. <laughs> Here's the thing is Utah has a lot of young talent. Yes. Uh, Dame has experience being here. Uh, Dame understands the culture because yeah. he's lived in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, he's, you know, a vet and a more mature presence in the NBA. I think he could do a lot of good for this team. Not not only right now, sure. but in the future. I, I think he has the ability, unlike anybody else that the Jazz could bring in, to set some expectations um, and really prep these guys for life after him. Sure. Uh, to be able to handle being here and being what I think this fan base and what this community kind of expects them to be. Well, and that's the thing about it. So th- that, that was my only question was, okay, are the Jazz willing to jump into the luxury tax? Because w- it would push them. They're, mm-hmm. I said they're $14 million under right now, so that pushes you in theory that's $30 million over. I think it's the type of move you do. Because it, it just it it would open a window for the Jazz. It would be a shorter window because Dame's going to be 35, 36, and that's when you start to see the regression, mm-hmm. especially for young, not younger, smaller guards, mm-hmm. which Dame is. But he's got a superstar ability. Yeah. We've all seen it. He's got a superstar ability. He would come in and immediately transform what the Utah Jazz are trying to do. So I, I get that the Jazz are trying to be smart with the money, that type of stuff. 
this seems like if there's any interest whatsoever, and who knows, maybe maybe he's dead set on going to Miami. Maybe maybe so. But if there is an opportunity to go get him, push all the chips in. This feels like a high risk, high reward and type I, situation, and, we, and I think roll the dice. Yeah, I think Portland's going to want multiple first round picks. Well, guess what the Jazz have in spades right now? First round picks through the end of this decade. They they, they could be like, oh, you want four? Okay, well we got all right. There you go. And they could they could make a package of players. They could send I don't know who they'd send back in the trade players wise, but they can figure this out. So if there's any opportunity to do it, go for it. Like it just it seems it seems this one seems like the this is why you break that piggy bank. Mm-hmm. Like you go in and say, that's the one we want right now. Danny Age, listen to me. I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Trust me, Danny Age knows far more than I I, know. I, I cover college sports. I'm an expert. <laughs> We've all seen what Dame has done, and uh, trust yeah. me, I know Danny knows because Danny goes to enough college basketball games. Even when he was with Boston, he was out here a lot going to college basketball. I saw him at BYU all the time. Yeah, he he's aware of what a guy like Dame would mean to this community. So you make the phone call, and like I said, maybe maybe it is maybe he's just he's dead set. He wants to go to South Beach. Yep, but hey, uh, there's nothing you can do about that. At least you made the effort. So I I, I, I just got some thought. Here's the thing: knowing how Danny Ainge operates. That phone call's probably already either happened or happening. Let's go. We'll Speak see. it into existence. It'd be fun. It'd be awesome. It'd be so fun. Have Dame Dalla back here in Utah. All right, coming up next, we'll get to technical fouls. Coming up at 11 o'clock, you'll hear from both Kalani Sitake as well as Cody Epps. I had a great opportunity to catch up with both of them on Monday. Uh, we'll get to all that. That's coming up. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, breaking things down on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing well. It is time now, as you heard, for technical fouls. Uh, and I'm going to start off, actually, and say, hey, Jason, what do yes. you got for us this week? Okay, so my technical foul this week is the Houston Rockets. Okay. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I'm a great guy, you know, good for him, undrafted guy, getting that big. But $43 million a year, I mean, really? $43 million? Kuzma's $25 million, Dame, uh, Draymond Green's $25 million, and somehow Fred Van Vliet is $43 million a year. I just, whenever I hear guys like that making that kind of money, this is, this is all I can think of right here. I wish I was a little bit Thank you, thank you. And I just play that on loop, you know, because yeah. uh, there's no other there's no other explanation. Well, okay, okay. And see, to your point, though, I think this goes back to what I was just talking about. The NBA requires you to spend 90% of the salary cap. Right. So there are guys that are going to make exorbitant amount of money right. that you're like, okay, Fred Van Vliet, I'm with you. Good basketball player. Sure. Is he a $40 million a year player? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. Like, Incredible. I, I'm surprised Kyle Kuzma didn't get more money than he got, honestly. Cause, yeah. Because, honestly, if you ask me, okay, Jake, do you want – Fred Van Vliet, you want Kyle Kuzma? I'm taking Kuz. Sure, yeah, yeah. Kuz, heck of a player, and he's only, yeah, he's only is, is it 25, 26, 26, yeah, roughly. He's not, yeah, he's yeah. still a baby. It's still decent money. Trust me. It, 
Nobody loses in pro sports. No, but. that's true. But for, yeah, forty three to twenty five. Yeah, I yeah. No. I'll tell you what. I every time Coos gets a new contract, I'm like, ugh. I want like, I want interest on the quarter that I lent him to get him out of my way, so I could buy my gas station treats. <laughs> Nice. Well, you should you should you know reach out to him and say, hey, you remember that time in Salt Lake? Oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. (laughs) He'd be like, that's cute. Yeah, that's adorable. (laughs) Like, don't bother me about a quarter. Yeah, no no doubt. All right, Michelle, (laughs) what do you got for us this week? Uh, so I am going with a story that I've been following so closely. Mm -hmm. Oh, San Diego State. (laughs) Here, here's the thing. Like. I still think the Pac-12's adding them. Sure. Pac-12's going to have an acceptable deal. But At the Pac-12 some point, yeah. came out and said, do not hold us to June 30th. Like, we still have some things we're sorting out, working out, and we want to know what we're doing on the media rights front before we start adding people in. Well, I I understand the sentiment from San Diego State wanting to try and fill out and get a head start and maybe have some discussions with the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. But you don't do it in writing that uh, then can be legally obtained by media outlets. Uh, you watch the wording uh, and make sure that it doesn't sound like you're actually planning on leaving. Sure. Well, uh, and that's the thing. You you saw that uh, Matt Brown from Extra Points. He, yeah. He got the copy of the letter. There's no other way that the Mountain West should have interpreted that other than, oh, yeah, they're out. Yeah, we're planning on leaving. (laughs) But we can't quite leave yet, so can you please work with, like, it just, it it just, it was all the way poorly done. And Mm -hmm. so then, you know, you have reports trickling in that, oh, we're going to have to backtrack and come back, come back, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's just, that could have, I get it, and I I. don't think they were wrong to try and, but the way they did it sure. was not great. Well, okay, here's the thing. It goes back to uh, my dad's filled me with all kinds of wisdom over my life, as most fathers do. He always told me growing up, Jake, never uh, leave a job until you have another job secured. Now, mm-hmm. I don't plan on ever leaving this job. I love what I do here at the zone, but he makes a very good point. Oh, it's 1,000. San Diego State was like, you know what? Okay, we're in $17 million. If we don't decide to do that by June 30th, we owe $34 million. Hey, uh, so Mountain West, we're going to leave, uh, but we need to talk about how much we owe. And the Mountain West is like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, and the, I, they're going to come to an agreement. They'll w- welcome them back in because I think the Mountain West understands, hey, you know what? We need them for as long as we got them. They, mm-hmm. they bring eyeballs, relative amount, that whole deal. But you're right. The way that San Diego State has just botched this is incredible. Yeah. You don't send that letter and immediately like Mount was like, all right, cool, you're out. And then the send another like, oh, 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 we didn't actually mean we were leaving. We just wanted to talk. It's like, yeah. but your letter said that so you're leaving. Kind of, it sounded like something else. <laughs> uh, and I think that was something uh, Kenzano and Wilner had uh, San Diego State beat writer on. Mark Ziegler. Yeah, yeah. Not, not too long ago. And they kind of discussed that. Yeah. Um, that. The wording, the verbiage, not great. Sure. Uh, it, it, the intent may have been something else, yeah. but that's not how it was interpreted. And when you're feeling out a situation, 
you don't involve all the rest of the school's presidents yeah. in that. You just talk to the conference commissioner. So there, there just was a lot that was done wrong on that front. Uh, putting the proverbial cart before the horse or yeah. counting your chickens before your eggs have hatched type oh, of yeah. deal. But alas, see, here we are. And I see, I agree with you. I think at some point San Diego State is going to make the jump to the Pac-12. But to go out and say, hey, we're out. And like it was a, it was a speculative, speculative play on San Diego State's part because I think they were trying to like – Spur the pack told to be like, hey guys, um, hurry up. Well, and and so here's the thing too: is Uh this maybe was a big lesson to San Diego State about remember your place in all this because yeah, you're not you're not the power you're not the power player here. Uh, So I I think some hard lessons were learned through all of this. Uh, Uh, Yeah, it just it, it was it could not have been any messier for them. No, and see, and that's the thing about this. I, I'm not sure how the relationship really ever gets put back together because everybody in Mountain West knows the second that that official invite comes from the Pac-12, San Diego yeah, State's bolting. The, 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 the other issue is, though, San Diego State just uh, screwed everything up because you can guarantee now it's now $34 million as of today to make the jump. You can guarantee the Mountain West is like, we are not negotiating whatsoever. You will pay every single dime of that money. Now, I can say that, and there probably will become a settlement at some point. But if I'm the Mountain West at this point, I hold them hostage. Yeah. Just stick to your guns. There's a contract. It's enforceable, and we're going with that. We'll see. All right. It's 11 o'clock, so that was a good one. Way to go, San Diego State. Of all the people to screw it up, you guys found a way to do it worse than anybody else. Well, and— I mean, we got to go. You made the Pac-12 look good. <laughs> I mean, we got to go, but there's also been discussion about how SMU screwed it up sure. from their standpoint yeah. by leaking. And <sighs> y'all. If you guys want to get in, don't <laughs> just sit back. Stop making the powers that determine your future mad. <laughs> God, whatever. It, so be it. We'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, some, somehow the Pac-12 comes off looking better in this entire situation. And their two prospective members, that like the lead dogs, come off looking like complete buffoons so far. Crazy. They'll ultimately end up fitting right in. <laughs> Good point. It's very well done, Michelle. All right, we'll end it right there. All right, coming back on the other <laughs> side, you'll hear from both Kalani Satake as well as Cody Epps as we celebrate BYU Big 12 Day. Had a great chance to catch up with them earlier this week. That's next right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.